everybody. It's me, Auntie, and I hope you guys are doing well. Well, we are finishing another month, and we are now in the halfway mark of 2021. And I love this time of year. It's nice and warm. But what's funny is, as I'm recording this, it snowed in Ontario. Um, within the GTA area, it snowed. And just, I believe, last week or a couple of weeks ago, it also snowed in Alberta and also in Nova Scotia. So when they tease about Canada always being cold, these are one of the reasons why snowing during a warm spring season. (laughs) Now, if you haven't heard, starting June 1st, I will also be putting on every Tuesday and Thursday um, the jump the story of the Jumbies. It's a chapter book, and it's written by Tracy Baptiste, and she has a series of this book, the Jumbies. So the jump the one that I will be reading is her first book about the Jumbies. So I hope during the summertime you can lay out in the sun and listen to the story. There won't be any um, Canadian history or anything like that. It'll just be one or two chapters from the book every Tuesday and Thursday. Okay. And also, if you are listening to me on Apple, please leave a review. It helps a lot to have me keep the podcast going. All right. So today, we're going to talk about Delos Davis. And Delos Davis, as I've read around, is either the second or third black person to be a lawyer in Canada. Some say he's the first, but it's it's noted it's either he's the second or third. He is also the first black person to be. the first black king's council. So as we go along, we'll we'll learn about the king's ca- what king's castle is. So he was born August fourth, eighteen forty six, in Maryland, and died nineteen fifteen near Amherstburg in Canada. Um, they have his nationality as Canadian, and he he was born to um, a runaway slave who came to Canada through the Underground Railroad. Um, He taught, he was a teacher before he went to law school to fulfill his dreams about becoming a lawyer. And apparently he was a very good lawyer. And a second special act allowed Davis to become a barrister and he was called to the bar on November 15th, 1886. So he did, he was involved in law a lot and he got to pursue his, his dream of being a lawyer and especially be, and the King's Council. So he was the first black so appointed to the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland and the British Dominion. So that means he was able to practice law, not only in it within Ontario, but along a whole of Canada. Okay. So anyways, today 
we're going to talk about, we're going to read the story about another great man, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And I know you guys have heard his I Have a Dream speech and all the marches he's done. And this book is the point to how his son, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. the third, how his son saw him as, as a father, not, not as a activist, but being just a father. So here we go. My Daddy, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., written by Martin Luther King III, illustrated by A.G. Ford. I grew up with a famous father. My name is Martin Luther King III. But when I was a kid, my friends and family called me Marty. So no one would confuse me with my father, the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. When I was five years old, my dad gave one of his most famous speeches, I Have a Dream, that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. That all men are created equal, he declared. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I am the second of those four children he spoke about. There have been a lot of books written about my father, but not a whole lot has been written about my dad. This book is about my daddy, what it was like to live with him, and how much I loved him. My sister Yolanda, who was called Yoki, and I wanted to go to Funtown more than anything. Well, kids, you know daddy's working very hard so that you and all children can go to Funtown. But it's not possible today. Daddy would say, maybe next week, but that week never came. You just don't want to take us, Yoki wailed. And finally, my mother explained, we were not allowed in Funtown. The rides and the roller coasters were for white people only. That's how it was when I was growing up. My dad fought to change that. At home, though, my father was just dad. He tossed the football with me taught me how to shoot hoops, teased me, and played with me. He would lift me up and put me on top of the refrigerator. I imagined swinging from the ceiling fan as if I were flying in my own airplane. Then I would let Daddy catch me as I fell into his arms. Away from home, things were different. It wasn't always easy being the son of Martin Luther King Jr. What's your name? The two older boys asked. I don't remember, I said. I forgot. I knew it was wrong to lie. Why'd you say that, Marty? My mother asked later. You know your name. It's your father's name. I know. I knew. And I knew why I hadn't said my name. Because I was afraid. Some people didn't like my father's work. He was stirring up trouble, they said. My father never stole anything or hurt anyone. Even so, he was thrown in jail more than 30 times. 
He had the courage to stand up and say, this law is unfair. And sometimes he was arrested for that. Once a neighbor was driving me home from school. On the radio, he heard that Reverend Martin Luther King and about 80 other people had been thrown in jail. I was terrified. I ran inside my house crying and asked my mother, why did daddy go to jail? What did he do wrong? My mother hugged me. Your dad went to jail to help people, she told me. Some people don't have enough to eat or comfortable homes or clothes to wear. They are not as fortunate as we are. Daddy went to jail to make it possible for all people to have these things. Don't worry, Daddy will be coming back. I carried her words close to my heart. A year later, when Daddy was arrested again, Yoki was afraid that he wouldn't be back for Christmas. This time, I was the one who consoled her. Don't cry, Yoki. Daddy'll be back. He has to help the people. He has already helped some people, but he has to help some more. And when he finishes, he'll be back. My father was not the only one in danger. Many people hurt or even killed as they tried to change unfair laws. Once, as I marched in a protest, I saw a pretty lady with a handbag over her nose. My mother explained that she'd been attacked by a police officer. The marchers were peaceful, but that didn't stop people from trying to hurt them. Even police officers sprayed marchers with fire hoses or turned dogs on them. Later, a police officer came up to us with a huge dog that growled at me. I was terrified. It's okay, Marty, my dad told me as he took my hand, and I felt safe. My dad was not a tall man, but he always made me feel like he was a giant. I was never afraid when I was with him. No matter how bad it got, my dad never fought back. We must meet violence with nonviolence. We must meet hate with love, he always said. Nonviolence wasn't just for marches and protest, it was for home as well. One Christmas, my brother Dexter and I got toy guns for Christmas. Most of the other boys in the neighborhood played with guns, and we wanted to be just like them. But we knew that the guns were wrong. They were not toys. They were machines made to hurt and kill. Together, the whole family took the guns outside, made a bonfire, and destroyed them. That night, as my brother and I watched our gifts burn, we believed we were destroying all the hate in the world. One bonfire couldn't fix everything. But some things were getting better, like the law that kept black and white children from going to the same school. When I was in third grade, that law was finally changed. My mother told Yoki and me that we'd be going to a new school in September. I didn't want to be the new kid who sat alone. Yoki felt the same way. 
We don't want to go, we complained. We don't want to be the only black kids at the school. My mother said she'd see that what she could do. The day before school started, we found out that our three friends, the Abenhathis, would be going with us to a Spring Street school. I was glad to have my friends and my sister with me because when we got to the school, there were flashbulbs going off and TV cameras everywhere. Why did the reporters want to talk to us? We were just kids going to school like everybody else. We were each in different classrooms. It was strange to be the only black kid in my class. I felt like everyone was staring at me the whole day. One kid even made a nasty comment. Wouldn't you rather go to a school with your own kind, he asked. Why aren't you at your own school? We're all the same kind. We're all kids. And Spring Street is my school now, I said. My father fought for us to be just kids attending the same schools. It was what he meant when he said he dreamed of his children being judged by the content of our character, not by the color of our skin. One school at a time, one child at a time, one heart at a time. That is how the world is changed, by reaching out to other people with kindness and compassion. My father was changing minds and unfair laws. He once said, we have a power within us which is more powerful than the power of bullets. That power was love and faith. It was a bullet that ended my father's life, but it did not stop his message. It did not stop his work. My father was there to see me start school, but he wasn't around to see me graduate. I was only 10 years old when he was killed. I was so young when my dad died, but I'm blessed with the memory, a warm and playful man, and I am reminded of him everywhere I go. There are streets and churches and schools named for my father in almost every city in the United States. And on the third Monday of every January, we celebrate his birthday as a national holiday. These things honor his memory and keep his spirit alive. We must continue to change minds as my father did. We must continue my father's work for freedom and equality for all. It wasn't always easy being his son, but I am so proud to be that son. And I am so proud to share his name. Wasn't that great? It sounded like Dr. Martin Luther King was not only a great activist and reverend, but he was also a great father. I know it must have been hard for Marty to go to school being the only black kid. I know myself, um, when I was going to school in the area I had lived in Alberta, my sister and I were the only black kids pretty much within the town. And... I went to school first because I was the oldest and I was always the only black kid. And it was very difficult because a lot of people couldn't understand um, my culture, couldn't understand why I looked different than them, why my hair was different than theirs. And so they 
they made fun of what they couldn't understand. And I know there are kids out there that are still the only black kids within their classroom. And it's very difficult, but you hold your head up high because eventually these kids are going to grow up and they're going to realize that you're just like them and they're going to judge you eventually for your character. I wasn't fortunate for that until I moved to Ontario, but still I'm hoping that now that they're all adults and parents and stuff, that they learned that being racist is very wrong and not to judge a person by the color of their skin, right? So that's it for me today. And don't forget, June 1st, go ahead, listen to the Jumbies. It's a great story, okay? So I am proud to be Black because Black looks good on me and it always looks good on you. Talk to you guys later. Bye for now. (music) 